Good evening. Good to see you tonight, as always. We're very thankful for your presence and for this privilege this hour to be together. Always a joy, and we're very thankful for your presence here tonight. I mentioned this morning in the sermon that we would um, be talking to our new members, and so we hope that you're here. We hope that you came back, and uh, we, we don't want to baptize you and convince you to obey the gospel and for you to see your need for it, and then you make that decision and then leave you. Uh, unfortunately, that could happen, or maybe it could feel that way sometimes. That's certainly not our intention. And so we would like to know, or like for you to know, some of the things that's associated with your decision. And so whether you've placed membership here or whether you've been baptized recently, we're very thankful for your decision, and we're very grateful to God that you were blessed with time and space and opportunity to make that decision. And now we'd like to share with you at least some of the things that's involved with that decision and what you can expect from your family. You are a member of the Lord's Church, bought by the blood of Jesus. You are uh, saved and you've obeyed the gospel. And um, when the Bible talks about the church, it sometimes refers to the church as Israel which is an interesting thought. If you spend some time in the Old Testament, you would be familiar with Old Testament Israel. Passage like Galatians 6, 16 comes to mind, where Paul says, as many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them and upon the Israel of God. He's talking about the church, the spiritual Israel of God. I say that because of a passage in the Old Testament from Old Testament Israel and something they said to somebody. If you have your Bible, something Moses said, it's back in Numbers chapter 10. In Numbers chapter 10 and the verses 29, the Bible says, Then Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. He is inviting him to come along with them. And so he says, we, Israel, we are setting out to the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. And then he offers this invitation. Come with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. We don't really say it that way, but that's kind of what's meant. If you obey the gospel, you will be coming with us. You'll be part of spiritual Israel. And so that second line becomes very important. We would want you to know then, we will do you good. It is the expectation of God that his family love one another, and that's where we would begin. What might you expect with this invitation to come with us? Obey the gospel. Be a part of the Lord's church. What could you expect? A loving family. It permeates Scripture. The New Testament of our Lord emphasizes it over and over again, and it is love from top to bottom. You will be loved by God, you will be loved by Jesus, and you will be loved by the brethren. You should understand and have an expectation, and those of us who are members should also have the expectation that that's what we will do for you. You obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, you enter into a loving family. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 talks about the love of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 14 talks about the love of Jesus. Greater love hath no man in this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do or keep my commandments. But the one I'd love to emphasize, because hopefully you know that God loves you, you know that Jesus loves you, but love of the brethren. 
is emphasized throughout the New Testament. Consider with me John chapter 13, verse 34 and verse 35. Jesus in this section before his passion, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, that last meal that he had with them in preparation for his departure. He says in verse 34, new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's verse 35 that's so critical. It says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. The church of our Lord is a body, a family of loving people. What could you expect when you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? What could you expect when you become a member of his church? You could expect a family of love. And that should remind all of those of us who are already family, that our aim is to love our new brothers and sisters, that that's what we should be about the business of doing. In John chapter 15 and verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. In verse number 17, he says it again, this commandment I give to you that you love one another. John, the apostle of love, talks about it frequently in 1 John over and over and over again to love the brethren. What could you expect? You obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should understand and expect you've come into a family of love. Secondly, you should expect help to grow. We should, as a body of people, provide you aid and assistance. Just here, you should also know that there is some expectation of you. That if you have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are expected to grow, and we are expected to aid you in that process. Consider some of the passages we looked at this morning. Take 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2, that as newborn babes, we're the desire to censor milk of the word. Who's to do that? Well, actually, you are. You know, when you bring a new baby home, very few people in the family have to tell the baby to cry for milk. While the baby should come into a family of love, the baby's got the crying part on their own. The milk craving is actually your responsibility, and I'm not sure if we encourage people to know that at the beginning. And when you obey the gospel, it's not the end, it's actually the beginning. It's the end of sin. It's the end of a life apart from Jesus. It's the end of a life estranged from Jesus. Absolutely, it's the end of that, but it's the beginning of a walk with Jesus. It's the beginning of growth into Jesus, and that we need to encourage you and press upon you that that's your responsibility, that you should, 2 Timothy 2.15, you will be urged by Scripture, yea, commanded by Scripture to give diligence to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In one sense, it's absolutely your responsibility to crave for God's word and to seek out opportunities. You know, we should not baptize you on Sunday and then not see you again. I've sat with people and they've said, I want to obey the gospel. I want to come to Jesus. Great. What happened? I mean, a week later, I was hoping that your diligence and your desire you know, last a little longer than a week. We hope we don't want you to come into the body of Christ and start asking, now, what's the minimum I can do to get by? What's the bare little that I, that's not really your walk with God, not at all. 
And you're to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you're to give diligence in this walk. To that end, notice Galatians chapter 6 in verse number 4 and verse number 5. Actually, if you look at verse 2, these things are connected. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so you should anticipate help aid, assistance. That's true. But if you look at verse 5, or verse 4 rather, it says, each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and now in regard to another, for each one must bear his own burden. Your walk with Jesus is your walk, and you are to desire the Word, and you are to give diligence, and you are to add to your faith your faith is the beginning, the genesis from which everything else flows. But in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, you're to add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and the knowledge temperance and the temperance patience and the patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness. You are charged with doing that. Maybe if you would ask some older brothers and sisters whether or not they were encouraged to do this at the beginning, you might find we're not always encouraged to do it. And as a result of that, if you're not careful, months and weeks and years can go by and you not realize that's your responsibility. Yes, you've obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've been brought into a family of God. And so you should be expected and anticipate, I'm going to grow. The aid and assistance comes from your brothers and sisters. And so you should expect us to pray with you and for you. And we will. Because James exhorts the fervent and righteous prayers, the, the fervent prayers of a righteous man will avail much, and so we should and we will pray for you. You could also anticipate benevolence. If you have needs, we want to help. We want to assist. That's what the early church did. Acts chapter 4, 32 to 35, they sold their properties, they gave their lands, they brought them and laid them at the... What were they doing? Helping each other? You should anticipate that. You should also anticipate being equipped for ministry. You know, when you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, you come into his body, you become a Christian. Well, what's the point now? Well, obviously, it's that growing in grace, yes. But look at Ephesians 2. Look at Ephesians 2, and notice that the Apostle Paul says, beginning in verse number 8, and he will repeat or something similar over in chapter 4, where he will say, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. When you get into chapter 4, he begins there in verse number uh, uh, 6, 7, and 8, and he begins to talk about what God has done, actually down a little later, verse 11, down to verse 13, and he talks about what God has done in giving these gifts and these various ministries or administrations inside of the body, many of which we don't have today, apostles and prophets and, and so forth, but we do have evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But you'll notice verse number 12 says it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building of the body of Christ. You are supposed to be equipped for ministry. You're supposed to be equipped for service, for doing good works. You should anticipate then, even expect that if you were to sit with the elders or when you did, that they would talk to you about what is it that you want to be engaged in? How is it that you want to use your abilities? Where do you find yourself fitting in and laboring for the Lord? That's the charge. You're not really coming to sit inside of a building. 
not really coming and sit inside and just sat down. That's really not what you've done at all. You've come to obey the gospel, but really you've come to labor for the Lord. We need to help you with that. And so what could you expect? You could expect and should anticipate aid and assistance. Now, I said this sermon was for our new members, but those of you who are members, you can kind of see our part in this too, can't you? You can see how they couldn't do much of this alone and that we should begin to view them not as somebody who got baptized, but somebody who has become a part of our family. I ask again, go back to the analogy of a new child. Let's say the house is full of older siblings. What would they do with the baby? Wouldn't they love the baby? Wouldn't they aid and assist the baby? Wouldn't they all do whatever it took? Now, at the exact same time, they would hold the baby's hands while the baby used their legs. They wouldn't walk for the baby. They would help the baby eat, but they wouldn't eat for the baby. And so there's always going to be this two-sided approach, and both sides need to know what's involved and what I'm supposed to do to that end. Let's not let people become members of the body of Christ and feel unloved. Let's not let people become members of the body of Christ and have no aid and, 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 and no support, no strength, no expectation. Let's not let that happen. Well, who's going to prevent it? Let's not have a situation where somebody else is going to do it and so I can just leave. Somebody else will take care of them and therefore I don't really have. You can't imagine that inside of a physical family, can't you? You can see where the third or fourth sibling might say, oh, well, the oldest will take care of. I don't really want anything to do with that baby. Dad's got it, mom's got it, the older siblings. I don't really have to. That's not how that would work at all. Number three, you could, should expect encouragement and support. Edifying siblings. Encourage, number one, we should encourage you to be faithful. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. And notice what the writer says to a group of people who, well, they're struggling in their faith, and he's certainly exhorting them to faithfulness. But in verse 23 of chapter 10, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And then he says, let us consider how to stimulate, King James, I believe, says, stir up one another to love and good works, good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's the expectation that we would then encourage one another? What are we going to encourage one another in? Good works. We're going to stimulate each other to do good. We're going to be there for each other, encourage each other, encourage you to be faithful. What happens when hard times come? And they will. Look at Romans chapter 12, and you could again anticipate and expect this from God's family. Sometimes I'll be places and people will say uh, just nice things. And my typical response to that is, God's people are the nicest people on earth. I mean, we would just say nice things about one another, encourage one another, that's just who we are, and it is such a blessing when times are good and when times are bad. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 12, the Bible says, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, 
practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's what families do. What could you expect? Rejoicing and weeping. Wherever you are in your life, we're there for you and with you. There will be good times, and we will rejoice. So-and-so graduated. So-and-so accomplished this. So-and-so did. Fantastic. So-and-so got this award. So-and-so did that. Man, that's great. Spread the news. Let's rejoice with the family. So-and-so had this happen, and this happened, and this happened. They lost so-and-so. Well, let's stop and weep. Because when one member's hurt, we all hurt. What have you done? You've obeyed the gospel. You have a family, a worldwide family, and now a local family of God's people. What could you expect? Encouragement and support for people to be there with you, good times and bad times. That's what you could anticipate. We read it in Galatians 6 too, but you could along the same line talk about burden bearing. Bear ye one another's burdens. That's what we're here for. You know, one of the more sad things is when people in the Lord's church feel alone. That's a sad, sad situation. Because it just shouldn't be. You shouldn't be at home suffering in silence. You shouldn't be going it alone. There is nothing alone about the Lord's church. To that end, it's not just for every new member. Sometimes people who've been in the Lord's church for a long time, either maybe they aren't getting or giving what they should, or maybe they're not getting it, but old habits have become part of their life, and now they see no problem constantly being detached from the body, constantly suffering by themselves. Constantly being aloof and apart, almost estranged from the Lord's people, coming into the assembly, being okay, going off by themselves, only to have other Christians say, I never knew they were in that situation. I never knew they were hurting. I would have. We would have. Encouragement and support, weeping and rejoicing. You should also anticipate sound doctrine being preached. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul emphasizes sound teaching. The word actually means healthy. Healthy teaching. That's what you should anticipate. It's demanded from Scripture, and you should expect and endure nothing less. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 3, Paul says, As I besought thee, I left you, urged you to depart in Macedonia, Remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange or any other doctrine, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies that give rise to speculations more than the administration of God, which is by faith. He will emphasize this throughout this book as well as the book of 2 Timothy, healthy teaching, sound doctrine, that which comes from God, preach the word, nothing less, nothing more. That's what you should anticipate. You shouldn't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have someone sit down to you and talk to you about book, chapter, and verse, talk to you about context, talk to you about how important the Word of God is, and then become a member of the body and only hear somebody stand up and say, you know, we've been thinking. You know, we have changed the way we've doing things. You shouldn't anticipate that. 
our elders stand up every week and they raise the Bible up and they say, this is the book that we go by. You should hold them to that. You shouldn't anticipate anybody ever standing up in a Bible class or otherwise teaching you anything but Scripture. You should demand no less, and we should offer you no less. Finally, I say finally, and I see two points, so almost finally. Penultimately, finally. I learned the word penultimate when I just thought, that's a great word. Let me just use that one when I get a chance. Number four, Jesus to be the focus. That's what you should expect. Jesus is our everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. He is our Lord, ruler. He is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. He's God's sacrifice. He's our redeemer. He's our example. He is our everything. Everything we do should ultimately bring glory to God through glorifying his son, our Lord and our savior. Scripture will teach that he is divine, John 1, 1 through 3, and the entire book of John. He's the head of the church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, the one who promised to build the church, Matthew 16, 18 and 19. Luke will record that he purchased it with his own blood. You should hear us then talk about the church in glowing terms. You should hear us extol the church as that which belongs to Jesus Christ. You should hear us talk about the church in a way that nobody else talks about a church. You should hear it here. You should hear us talk about the church as the singular most important institution that God has given to the world. I say singular most important, certainly with reference to spiritual. He's given the family. He's given government. But the church is where men are reconciled to God through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You should hear us extol the church of our Lord, not a denomination, not one of many. He is the Savior of the body, which is the church. Ephesians 1, 22, 23, Ephesians 2, 13 to 16, Ephesians 3, 9 to 21, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, Ephesians 5, 23 to 25. Over and over and over again, the church, the bride of Christ. You should hear us talk about Jesus as God's sacrifice. John 1, 29, he is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You should hear us talk about him as our redeemer, the one who bought us back. Ephesians 1 and verse 7, the one in which we have the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 2, 13 to 16, he is our peace. He is our example. 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. You should hear us extol Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. He is not one of many options. He's the only way to God. You should hear that over and over again. I said, finally, let me say it now. You should hear heaven is our goal. 
This world is not our home. And so you should hear us with reference and some level of specificity when talking through Scripture about this world being temporal. That's the way God talks about it, that our lives here being short relative to eternity, that our citizenship being in heaven and not on the earth. To that end, the Scriptures emphasize that kind of language over and over again. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 comes to mind. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more an exceeding and eternal weight in glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Things which are not seen are eternal. The Hebrew writer says they're going to perish. They're going to turn and fade away, but you will remain. He's going to fold them up like a garment, Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. Our lives are short, and so when you're here and you're a part of the Lord's family, you will hear a certain amount of urgency for our lives and for our actions. We talked about it this morning. Today is the day. It's always today because our lives are short. Jesus would say, I must work while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. What's the night? Death. We only have so much time in the time we have, whether it's 70 or 80 years, that's the entire lifetime. When the Bible talks about that, it uses words like James chapter 4, verses 4 to 16. You know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor. How much time do you have? Not sure. Don't know. So what should we do? Teach us to number our days so we can apply our hearts to wisdom. That's what Psalm 90 and verse 12 pleads. I don't have much time. My years are like a tale that is told. So teach us. Help me understand to number. How many days do I have? Well, I don't know, but let me use them while I can. How? In service to our Lord. We don't have much time. Colossians chapter 3 You'll hear us talk about a changed life and a citizenship that's not here. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, since then or since or if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. You'll hear this emphasis, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then verse number four, the emphasis over and over and over again will be when Christ, who is our life. Friends, you didn't, you didn't join a club. You didn't enroll in a school or become part of a fraternity. No, you, you've obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you've become a part of God's family. And there are some expectations that you should anticipate having done that as well as things we should do for you. But we're trying to go to heaven. That's the goal. We're trying to live faithful lives so that ultimately um, we can be with God and Jesus eternally. And so we've set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. We thank God for you. If you've obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, we thank God for you. If you've placed your membership here, we're very thankful for that decision as well. And you should understand that you have a worldwide family. You should anticipate and expect love because that's what God's family does. You should expect support 
encouragement, help, you have some obligations placed upon you as well. You should desire God's word. In fact, you need to. And you should seek to grow and look for opportunities to serve. And you should bear your own burden and at the same time, when they get too heavy, we'll help you. Let me ask this. Is that what every member has already? Is that what you've been receiving and giving? What happens in family sometimes? Well, they just get used to each other. They just get used to each other, and sometimes they just stop doing the things for each other that they need. If you've been a member of the Lord's Church, sermon wasn't just for the new member. You should also have all of those things and be giving all of those things. But let's help our new members start that way. And let's do all that we can to help them grow up into the body of Christ. If you're not a member, you need to be. There is nothing better you could do with your life than to become a Christian. There is nothing more important, nothing more satisfying, nothing more rewarding. Nothing will bless your life more than giving it to Jesus. If you haven't done that, we beg you to do that. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess his name. Be immersed in water. And rise and walk in newness of life. And then you'll have a worldwide family. And you can then both be blessed and be a blessing. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.